Hello and welcome to the three uh, SEER 365 sessions. Uh, every week I'm very fortunate I get to have a conversation with somebody from the Microsoft channel. Uh, and the whole point of this is really to learn from others uh, and to see if there's something you can take from this conversation that you can take back to your own business, either by working with uh, the partners that I bring on or just uh, to spark some ideas about things that you can do within your business. Uh, today, I'm uh, really excited to bring somebody on uh, to talk around a topic that I know absolutely nothing about. Uh, those of you that know me may not find that surprising. There's a topic I, I don't know much about, but this one in particular, I know nothing about. So we're all in the same boat probably on, on this one. Um, but I think it's a really interesting topic um, that hopefully many of you will uh, get a lot out of. So with that, I'd like to welcome uh, John to the podcast. Hi, John. Hi there, Rich. Thanks for having me today. Good to see you. Not, not at all, mate. Really pleased that you could join us. And thanks again for, for finding some time to talk to us. So um, let, as always, uh, do you want to start with a little bit about yourself and a bit about Yavria? Yeah, for sure. Uh, but can I also just say, Rich, thanks so much for doing these, because I think that, you know, it's really helped me to see a lot more of um, what other people are doing in the in the industry and the space and get out of a siloed mentality and really um, get a broader picture for, for what's going on. So that's been great. Thanks for putting these on. Yeah, um, my name for most people who maybe don't know me is indeed John Lewis. So um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So instant name recognition on the one hand, but on the other hand, sometimes somebody puts your emails to junk because you think it's marketing. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm um, the CEO and founder at Yavrio, and we're an open banking provider for Dynamics 365, uh, Business Central, and shortly to launch on FNO as well, FNSCM, depending on your um, proclivities there. Um, uh, Yavrio, um, just to introduce that briefly, um, we uh, always thought this was already being done. Actually, we thought there was somebody who had a, you know, grand scheme in, in mind that Microsoft were going to deploy something, uh, waited and waited and realized that, um, for a lot of the partners and customers out there on business central and, uh, and D365 in general, they didn't have access to, um, their banking feeds for um, their ERP systems anymore, not since 2018. So um, we've assembled a, a winning team there. We had to stand up uh, a great team with uh, strong people in tech, in commercial strategy, compliance. It was actually a, a much larger piece than, uh, than we realized initially. Um, so we had to bring on um, you know, a, a large number of people to really make it work and to make it win, not just to be acceptable, but to be uh, something that's great. And um, yeah, so now what we're doing is we are enabling businesses to get their live bank information directly into um, D365. Um, that means that basically you can connect to your bank, you can get your transactions down via live feeds, and you can push your payments up in, an, in a nutshell. That's what we do. Very cool. And, you know, I, I sometimes talk to uh, companies that have got a very specific thing that they do for a very niche industry. Uh, my favorite one being fish farming, but that's a separate topic completely. Um, we'll talk where, about that later, Rich, yeah, if that's okay. Yeah. Well, if you need a fish farm. Um, but this one for me is is really interesting because, let's face it, there is no organization that, that doesn't need to move money around. Some, you know, paying people, taking money from the bank, putting money back into your accounts, whatever it might be. Um, so I think the opportunity for people to work with you uh, in in this instance, it's 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 very cool and very wide. So let's start, and I'm going to assume that most people have got about as much knowledge about open banking as I do, 
Uh, I did watch a 30 second video uh, on, on open banking. Yeah. Uh, but so that's my level of knowledge. So let's just start from zero. What is open banking and wh why did it, why did this set of standards, I guess you could call it, yeah. um, get produced? And, you know, what were the problems uh, it was fixing? Sure. Yeah. So I think that what most people will be familiar with is the problem that open banking causes. So um, to start off with, what will have happened is that in about 2018, most um, D365 partners will have realized they no longer were able to easily integrate the banks anymore, um, as, as used to be the case through, through either direct um, integration or a number of providers. And so when I first came across open banking, I was like, this is just an inconvenient thing that's been um, inconvenient piece of legislation. But actually, what open banking was, was in about 2015, uh, through the EU then, but it's also been incorporated into UK law. What they identified was, as um, things are becoming more technically sophisticated, um, there, there's going to be a high risk of cybersecurity, um, fraud, um, uh, all of these kind of negative aspects, as well as needing to streamline the economy by providing easier access to financial data, banking data. Um, for customers via third-party providers, uh, you know, like us in this in this respect. So, in order to make sure that they um, uh, that banks were coming online with this, that banks were getting on board to protect um, their customer base and to facilitate the free movement of um, finance around the economy, um, they put into into place a piece of regulation called Payment Service Directive Two, uh, which I don't want to get too technical here, but basically what it did was it said. Um, banks have to provide structured access to their data, and it has to be done in a way that more or less looks like this. It has to meet minimum security um, uh, protocols. It has to be implemented in a, in a in a safe and secure way. It has to be um, easy to access um, for uh, for organizations and for customers. Um, so it was uh, yeah it was it was re it really although it was inconvenient in the short term um, for ERP users in terms of turning off the taps. For, for bank access, it's it's definitely strategically the right piece in the long term. There, very cool. So so that sort of came out, um, and obviously, you know, people people made the best of it where possible. Yeah. So so what are what are like the the benefits? Um, yeah. You know, what, what are the benefits people are seeing around that one? Yeah. So re really cool um, when the benefits get switched on. So as soon as you come out of the old understanding of um, how, how they used to connect was really called screen scraping access to banks where you maybe had cash credentials and they would get passed along um, and so on in, in many cases, unless you'd built some kind of direct connector. Um, so when you have open banking APIs mediating the access, um, what it means is that um, uh, your, your data is really available to you um, as live in, in your systems. So you might you might have some experience with providers like uh, Yolt, uh, Mint, uh, and others that do um, account aggregation. And you'll see, start to see some more banks doing this as well, where they say, hey, you can view all of your bank accounts in one location. Um, so in the same way, uh, we can do live API calls to banks uh, to get your, your live bank feeds um, visible to you. So without you having to go and, and find the data and the information, um, when your bank data is live in your system, I think, you know, for, for those of us who like data, I don't want to get too uh, geeky on the data front, but obviously coming from a, a bit of a data background, it's always very interesting to me that as soon as you've got your data in your environment, 
you know the the list of things that you can do with that is is almost endless um you know there's there's so much that you can do in terms of automation um uh, of your banking which um involves you know reduced spend as well because you're not having to um you know uh, just hire additional people every time you want to increase your functionality um and it's not really bells and whistles stuff either this is really core pieces that a lot of cfos and ceos are are starting to prioritize now um, and one of the, the best things, I guess, is that it um, it helps us move away from CSV files. Uh, so I, I often like to tell people that CSV files were um, invented in about around 1972 or 1978, depending on what source you look at. But we're talking like it's over half a century old, this um, this mechanism for, for putting data together. And we're still using it to send uh, data around the Internet and some of our most critical uh, sensitive data, our, our, our banking and finance data in terms of um, transactions down and, and payments up. And, uh, you know, it's, it's actually relatively simple for people to um, uh, uh, commit fraud in, in some of these processes when we don't have um, online interactions, but we're, we're handballing files around the internet. You know, small scripts can um, be sitting in folders, um, change, you know, finding a couple of commas and changing a six digit number to a one that favors my account an eight digit number to one that favors my account and so on. So what open banking does is it, it bypasses all of that file based interaction. And it means everything's online. Everything is streamlined through APIs and uh, we just have uh, no, no fingerprints or fewer fingerprints on the, um, on the information as it gets passed across. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I'm, I'm glad you're keeping it at a level that I can keep up with. So I, I, very much appreciate that. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I could. Yeah, there's 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 so much more. Um, yeah, that's kind of coming down the pipeline because open banking is really new. I mean, like I say, it's only um, really been uh, formalized um, in terms of implementation by the banks in about 2018, mm. which means that now all of these um, all of these organizations and companies are, are beginning to think more and more about. Well, hold on a second. If this is all life, what can we do next? So. Um, in terms of things coming down the pipeline, you're going to hear stuff uh, about virtual accounts. Um, so uh, I'd love to, you know, uh, talk at length at another time, maybe about this, but yeah. the concept of giving each of your customers a unique bank account to pay into. So, you know, exactly um, uh, where money has come from, which decreases reconciliation headaches, uh, variable recurring payments, um, auto balancing your bank accounts. If one goes um, uh, under, uh, auto applications, uh, easy access to credit through um, buy now, pay later, pieces like this. Um, all of this is really um, being imagined right now. It's a, a really exciting time to be a, a part of those conversations. So are, are there are there certain banks that you think are, are more kind of, which are the banks that are doing this the best, would you say? Sure. Yeah, it, it's a good question. So uh, not all banks are, are created equal uh, yeah. in, in this respect. So um, you, in, in, in the banking sector at the moment, there, there are two ways of describing banks. You, you often talk about trad banks or traditional banks versus neobanks. It's not my words. These are just, you know, um, monikers that get attached in the industry. Um, and a lot of the trad banks have come from a, what you might call a highly acquisitive background. Mm -hmm. If you look at the, like the, the number of bank mergers that have happened over the last 40 years, it's phenomenal. And so often what you have in these traditional banks is they've got um, huge numbers of systems that have been uh, stuck together with, I don't know, Excel and duct tape in the background um, in, in many cases, which you might not think uh, to look at a, a bank that presents itself well to you. But sometimes you'll hear about 
you know, this um, this bank system went down and that one went down. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of banking providers went down when there was the Azure outage a couple of weeks ago or, or whenever that was. And um, so the neo banks often have a bit of an advantage because they're able to design some of their infrastructure um, based around today's requirements without having to bring across all of the legacy systems that are there. And actually, I, I'm sure like a lot of people, in fact, you know, most people uh, listening in have got some level of experience in going into older organizations where you've got huge numbers of legacy systems that need formalizing, um, strategizing, and so on. And that's really what I think a lot of the trad banks are facing. Some of them are facing it really well, um, uh, but you, you, you often fi- come across a few, a, a few odd features. So, mm-hmm. for example, some older banks um, don't allow you to make um, open banking payments more than about 25 at a time. So if you're trying to pay, you know, 100 uh, suppliers today, that means you've got to authorize four times. Whereas other banks, even, you know, some trad banks and some neo banks will allow you to pay over 1,000 um, at a time because somebody set up their parameters just slightly differently, thinking with today's world in mind rather than maybe 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, I, it's funny you say that though, because I I was at uh, and this weekend I'm going down to watch uh, Wales beat England in Cardiff, um, and uh, I remember being at a rugby game fairly re- uh, a few years ago now. But and there was a I think he was the CIO, but it's certainly a senior senior exec from the IT <clears> arm <throat> of a uh, very well known British bank, yeah, very right. big a a trad bank in in your terms. And he mentioned they had a hundred thousand people in their IT team around the world. And you're like, are you serious? Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. Like, it makes sense. That that's like that's a that's a big like that's big. So it's, it's big and it's a risk. It, it makes sense if you think about how critical the data is, how many yeah, legacy yeah. systems have come through, uh, how many customers they're supporting, and so on. And it. Yeah, um, it, it can lead to a lot of a lot of fragmentation in, in what's going in the back there. But as I say, some of the trad banks are actually facing it up quite well and yeah. um, and optimizing what they're doing, and others are a bit slower to adopt. So, from a partner perspective, obviously, my suggestion would be to work with Yavrio. But when when you're talking to when a partner's talking to their prospects, their customers, um, what's the kind of uh, you know how how would you exploit this this new uh, this new opportunity they've got? For sure. So I think one of the first things is to get your banking data live. Um, now, you know, not not everybody has um, a high enough frequency that they care, but the majority of organizations really do. It's sometimes you'll find people who just have a dormant company somewhere. They don't, you know, they'll update their banks once a year or something like this, you know, to, to do interest movements. Um, but once you have your data live, um, then... Uh, your your organization uh, gets live access, live visibility. Um, say, for example, in a company where it takes you quite a long time to get your transactions in to reconcile and so on. What it means is that making operational decisions um, with cash assets in mind is harder because instead of being able to say, what's our position right now? You often have to say, what's our position when we do end of month reporting? Um you know, uh, and the management account pack comes out once they've reconciled uh, and so on. So giving people immediate access to this data improves, um, you know, in, in the moment, operational decision-making um, access to the information there. But, but like I say as well, one, once you have that data there, a lot of the time um, sitting with 
uh, key users and finance departments and saying, now you have this, what do you want to do with it? Giving them the ability to imagine um, now that they have the data in, in hand, as well as, you know, more powerful reporting tool sets that we see like Power BI and so on, mm. um, means that they can uh, make better decisions um, and, you know, secure the futures of their company in a better way. That's what we're seeing. Very cool. Yeah, and I, it, it just I'm starting to think of different things over the years. I would like just just the matter, just a board pack, right? With, yeah. Because um, <laughs> a, a lot of companies now are using things like Power BI to create uh, real time board packs. So actually That's having it. having those balances and and all that information available as part of that would be, I'm, I'm sure, very very valuable to people. And what we often say to the people we're working with as well is, we really want to hear. Uh, from them what they're doing mm. so you know very often uh, almost every week we'll have uh, customers uh, speaking to us and saying hey actually we'd be really interested in uh, in this as a feature we'd be really interested in that and um, it, it's coming out of a, a place where they've started to be able to imagine what can happen uh, now they've got access to their data uh, you know if you've moved people off um, creaking old systems um, where it's been it's been painful for many years you know sometimes you'll speak to people who've been using the same I don't want to do down any other providers, but they'll, they'll be using the same um, old old software for 20 years plus. And then when they start, when they move to a Dynamics 365 system, uh, they start to say, oh, wow, our AP can look like this and our, our finance can look like that and we can automate this and we can streamline that. And the same thing is going to happen uh, with their banking data as well. The level of imagination that follows on in the sort of, you know, even, you know, one to six months after implementing is really something to see. Yeah, absolutely. So we're coming towards the end of our time together, um, or on this anyway, not on our time together. We can talk as long as you want. Um, Are there sort of any tips you'd want to give people, um, sort of what you're seeing coming down the the pipe that you think would be worth people bearing in mind? Uh, Obviously, tip number one, get in touch with Yavrio. Get that, but outside of that one. That's right. Yeah. Obviously, tip number one, get in touch with the Avria and make your yep. uh, customers' lives better, make your lives better. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I don't know, th- there's, so much, there's so much going on in open data. Can I, can I give people like a couple of things they might want to look at sure. in, in yep. open data? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's huge amounts of opportunity. So open data, by the way, is, is the more general approach, not just with banking, but with other areas. You know, there's, there's even things like open culture, open yeah. weather, open environment. You know, there's these data sets that are being um, uh, constructed and populated that people can um, can build access to, build up the data sets. And if you want to, if you want to start a, 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 a side business today on, on top of what you're already doing, given that a lot of the people will already be working with data in, in a structured way, you know, um, you could you could go to the open weather um, data sets and you can resell those to people like outdoors companies um, who co- whose uh, sales might correlate with the weather. You know, if they're doing selling barbecues or, or camping equipment, things like that, then um, that enables them to um, uh, to predict where, where should I be getting my inventory in? Where should I be prioritizing uh, for the week that's coming up? Um, you know, open in environment data uh, details, things like um, pollutants and uh, beach water quality and so on. You can pull together a data set like that. And people are interested in, um, in buying these data sets um, uh, from you. Uh, you can hook it up into uh, any kind of holiday app. So if people are booking their holidays, it might be a nice thing to say, yeah, and, you know, this beach is is actually one of the cleanest ones in Europe. 
Um, so you might want to uh, to book now and buy now. We actually do something similar with banking data. So we've had uh, people come to us and say, could you advise us on um, on which banks we should go with? So we, we collate um, some of the data that comes through in the industry and um, and provide the data sets for free um, on, in this case because it's just part of what we do mm-hmm. to say, uh, you know, here are some things that would help you to make better decisions. So, yeah, I think a, a lot of the partners could be, could be picking up on what the open data initiatives are um, uh, and just being imaginative with, uh, with some of them. That would be, be part of it, I guess. Yeah, my, my brain's going at 1,000 miles an hour now. Like different partners that I know have got a focus. So, yeah. um, and I, I read, um, was it Martin? Uh, I can't remember. The guy that wrote, he wrote The Big Short, anyway. I think it's Martin Lewis. It's because you're called John Lewis. It's making me think. I've yeah, and uh, I I know the Big Short, but the, the yeah, movie, not the yeah, book, yeah. The, yeah the, so. But he was talking Martin about Martin Burrell. No, anyways, man. Um, but names now. he 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 um, wrote a book about various government departments in the US, and the the weather department yeah. was one of those. And so connecting weather to um, like companies that do logistics, or yeah. the um, the example they had in the book was Walmart used the weather data. So that if a if a hurricane was about to hit a city, um, they knew that uh, based on historical trends, um, certain things would be lots of th- lots of a a a skew would be sold. Right. So, as an example, flashlights make sense. Um, blankets stuff makes sense. Pop tarts was one that goes through the roof. Apparently, I get that. Um, so it's things like that, that you you could uh, start to offer. So that's. Uh, yeah, good book that, by the way. I've clearly forgotten the author and, and the name of the book, but you'll, you'll be able to work it out. Anyway, um, on that, on that, John, thank you very much for your time today. Um, if if no, anybody you. watching this would like to get in touch with John, uh, please do so. I've got his LinkedIn uh, details down below. Um, or uh, go onto the Yavrio website and uh, get in touch with them. Uh, like I said, I, I think – I. I can't think of a organization that doesn't have a bank account uh, and therefore uh, having this, this type of solution in your kit bag to offer your customers, I, I think is uh, something everybody should at least explore. So with that, I just want to thank you again, John, for your time. Uh, and I want to wish everybody watching and listening to this uh, a happy rest of your week and I'll see you soon. Thank Thanks you so much, much for having me on, Rich. Take care. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.